This is the Nostalgic Future Podcast, where the past is the only way forward. We're two guys in our 40s watching the world pass us by, and we know the only way we'll ever be relevant again is to somehow convince everyone to be as passionate as we are about our pop culture obsessions. We're your hosts, Joe Cook and Chris Marchand, and today is our In the News special report, Reboots and Revivals. Yes, Joe, welcome. This is a special report episode from Nostalgic Future Podcast. Today, we are discussing reboots, revivals, sequels, whatever we want to call them. And Joe, I have some breaking news for you. Our listeners are going to be utterly shocked and surprised. They are currently, Joe, you're not going to believe this. They're rebooting, wait for it, one of our favorite shows and movies. Do you want to hear which one it is? All of them. It's all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's our breaking news (laughs) is that we're currently in the midst of some kind of, I don't know, eternal purgatory of reboots. (laughs) (laughs) And we wanted to discuss it today. There are the reboots that we know are ongoing. I mean, you know, you and I were big Star Wars fans. And so that universe is constantly expanding. I mean, even in the last month or so when there was the big star wars convention was that out west i don't know where they do that celebration yeah you know the big you know if you're in the star wars cult (laughs) um and you have enough money to get there and afford it uh you you go there and they announce all the new star wars you know works that they're they're going to put on disney plus in the movie theaters and whatever but we we expect that i mean that's like yeah of course we know that's going to happen i mean we'll, we'll get to marvel and dc and other things it's all commercialized now, too. You know, I remember when Celebration was about the art. Now it's all. <laughs> yeah, back when I was a kid, there was none of this crash commercialization. Uh, they've really taken the original spirit out of the whole thing. Back in my day, they didn't sell a bunch of, you know, toys and crass commercial stuff. I mean, none of that happened. Yeah. Come on. Um, now, again, as we can acknowledge, the joke of this is we know there's, there's the standards and there's a lot of them. There really are. I mean, for me, uh, I mentioned this in a previous podcast. I mean, Lord of the Rings is, you know, now wanting to be kind of a perpetual story, you know, Tolkien's middle earth. But what we want to talk a little bit about today is bouncing around this idea of reboots, revivals, sequels, uh, even some new terms for us, legacy sequel or legacy sequel type of term but that you and I have learned just recently. Honestly, you sent me this term legacy sequel the other day. I have never heard it before. So you want to, want to explain to people what that is? Well, I'm, I'm just learning it myself. But see, here's the thing. I was visiting a friend. He's the friend that I've done my, uh, my video game Drifter. I guess, you know, free plug for if you have an iPhone or iPad, you can play Drifter. I'm still the number one player in the world. That's saying something. Um, We need to get the game out there into the world more. Maybe this is our chance. I was visiting my friend. We went and saw Top Gun. And I said, oh, you know, this is a sequel. And he goes, well, actually, you know, he stopped me. He said, actually, this is what's known as a legacy sequel. Or I don't even know. It might be even legacy sequel. And the idea, if I'm not mistaken, you know, the the fans will write in and correct me if I'm wrong. But part of the concept of the legacy sequel is that it is a continuation of of a world. So you have Top Gun, but there's some kind of implication that they're handing it over to the next generation. So some people thought Indiana Jones 4 was going to be a a legacy sequel. We're going to hand it off to Shia LaBeouf. Some people see um, The Force Awakens as a legacy sequel. Han Solo shows up and the new generation takes over. And going back to the Indiana Jones 4, I've only seen that movie once. I I saw it at a drive-in. and uh, I've seen it twice. I remember uh, turning to my friend and saying, if he puts the hat on, I'm done. And when at the very last scene, it almost happens. And I screamed in the car. I was like, no. And but then Indy stopped him at the last second. Um, uh, You know, I mean, that movie gets a lot of hate. It it, it isn't a very good movie. (laughs) No, some of the magic's gone. But you know what, though? I didn't like Temple of Doom either. Did you? Yeah, it's a very conflicting film. I mean, I guess 
the set piece at the end with the uh, the rail cars. I mean, it's cool, right? I mean, it feels like a literal roller coaster ride. Yeah, there's some iconic moments, that's for sure. But I don't think it really works very well as a film. So yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is, Indiana Jones. As much as I love Indiana Jones, it, it's always been kind of hit or miss for me. So like that that movie wasn't the big letdown for me that it was to a lot of people. But I mean, Last Crusade was probably my one of my favorite movies from my childhood. So yeah, they can't all be winners, you know. <laughs> That's right. So here's what I would say. Here's an example of a of a potential legacy sequel that didn't take off. I'm going to get them wrong on my numbers here because there's so many of them. I think it was Mission Impossible Four, and Jeremy Renner was in that. And there was a chance that Jeremy Renner was going to get the baton handoff to be the next generation of Ethan Hunt's. I mean, not actual Ethan Hunt, but he was going to take over the Mission Impossible franchise. And like, if you read some interviews surrounding Mission Impossible on that movie, Jeremy Renner kind of went into it thinking, yeah, you know, like, you know, they're going to, they're going to give me the franchise here. It's going to be great. And I think it just revived Tom Cruise's career, like kind of similar to Indiana Jones, kind of similar to the fact that maybe some people are saying we can't get out of like we're still stuck in the Skywalker family with Star Wars. And like even re- recent uh, interviews with Taika Waititi, uh, who's taking over, like doing a Star Wars movie, he's been saying, we're going to do this new. Like, I don't see any reason to continue on with Star Wars doing the same old thing. And so we as fans, do we want the comfort of the same old story or do we want something new and surprising? I think I'm at the point where I, with Star Wars, I think I'm ready for something new. Okay, I, I and and maybe Obi Wan uh, Kenobi was what it took to get me there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and you know what? I'm I'm not gonna sit here and trash Obi Wan Kenobi. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, I won't get into any spoilers or anything. But um, I'm actually enjoying the show. Have you? Are you caught up on it? I, I've I've caught up on it, and by the time this comes out, it'll be basically about over. I've generally, moderately, somewhat enjoyed myself. Yeah, I, I think it's really picked up in the last two episodes. I thought the last episode, which was episode five, was was hands down the best so far. And the first one that I thought was really kind of like compelling, there, there were a couple entertaining episodes before that. There were a couple kind of boring episodes before. I, I, episode three, which in theory should have been like the greatest moment of, of like Star Wars television of all time, was such a like a letdown. Like it was, you know... Yeah. So just to let people know, you might want to pause it here. I'm going to let you know some things. If you're behind, pause this and I'm going to say something here. So spoiler alert? I guess so. I I, I was trying to not say spoiler alert, uh, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> you all knew it was coming. Darth Vader really shows up in episode three. What have you become? I am what you made me. And where I knew I had a problem, I don't know if it was because I was just eating dinner and watching it with my family and the kids were distracting, but I just was not scared. (laughs) I didn't feel intense. It was just like, ho-hum, there he is. Yep big old baddie and i was just kind of bored with it but maybe that's me maybe i'm just cynical in my old age okay so i had a very similar experience with it and when you compare like think about what you just said and compare that to that like 60 second appearance he made at the end of rogue one which like blew everybody's minds the ending of rogue one might be the best minute or or so of star wars ever 
you know, just Vader unleashed. And then like this one here, it was just kind of like, I, I, it was like Vader and Obi-Wan chasing each other around the construction site. <laughs> there, there was the, like, even the location was boring. There was nothing visually like <laughs> exciting about it. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, there, there they are. There's a pile of dirt. And- it felt like two middle-aged men playing cosplay. Like, okay, I got you now. You know, like, okay, blah, blah, blah. you know, oh, thanks. Very good cosplay, though. Very good cosplay. Okay, so here's what we're kind of talking about. And maybe one of the questions we want to kick around before we actually get to our true in the news segment here and we're just going to throw this out for people is, is this concept of maybe is what is known as franchise fatigue. Mm. And just the fact that we can only consume so much, we can only take in so much and we just get bored. Like you said to me, and you've said to me, like, I just can't keep up with everything. And I haven't even watched you. You haven't watched Boba Fett. And uh, I have a whole list of reboots, revivals, sequels. I'm not going to get to all this stuff. When they, I guess sort of, and again, I don't know what word to use. They didn't really reboot Star Wars in 2015. What was that? I guess that was a, that was a legacy sequel, I guess, The Force Awakens. That was a, a definitely handing off the, the, you know, passing the baton to a new generation. Okay, so this is part of the fun of this, having this conversation is admitting the ridiculousness of all these words. Because yes, on one level, it's truly a sequel. It is. But guess what? It didn't take but like one or two days and people were, you know, sending in reviews about The Force Awakens saying, oh, it's just a new hope with a girl uh, and they're retreading the same kind of story. And so is it a reboot? It's kind of the question. Is it a legacy sequel? You know, it's like it's kind of all of those things. It's a revival. It's, it's the mishmash of all of that together. And so I think what we're kind of trying to ask here today is like, is it worth it? Do we need to have things constantly rebooted? Well, when when that happened in 2015, I was all in. I'm still kind of all in. I stood in line for, uh, you know, an hour and a half in like two degree weather in Gallup, New Mexico uh, to see uh, The Force Awakens on opening night. I saw it two times. That I saw I saw that movie in the theater five times, which is excessive. I I, I see that now. But at the time, you know, it was, you know, I was pretty excited, you know, and it was a really cool, fun bonding experience for my, you know, me and my son at that time. And we yeah. were there for every single movie, Solo, Rogue One, all three of them. By the time we got to Rise of Skywalker, and we'd had the first season of Mandalorian, I think at that point, it was, you know, the novelty of Star Wars being back was really wearing off. And I think it had been wearing off for, I think I was actually one of the people holding out almost like, you know, a Star Wars apologist. I'm now at a point where I'm almost just exhausted trying to keep up with it. And I I haven't, you know, I've watched like two episodes of The Bad Batch and I haven't watched Book of Boba Fett. Like you said, I haven't seen it yet. And I will, I'll get there. Sure you will, Joe. Sure you will. But I... I, (laughs) I'm, I'm pretty sure I will. I think because I'm going to watch the next season of Mandalorian and I, I do want to see the Ahsoka show. So I figure I'm going to have to watch Book of Boba Fett just because I'm going to have to, but it almost feels like a chore rather than something I'm now looking forward to. It's like, oh, and it kind of feels, and, and clearly, I mean, this is what they're going for. It feels the same way I feel about Marvel at this point, which is you miss two or three movies and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, oh, I really, really want to see, you know, Spider-Man, you know, No Way Home. Oh, but I got to watch four other movies that I missed and two other series. And it's like, so now I'm just like two years behind on Marvel again. I was years behind on Marvel. I finally caught up in 2020. And now I'm behind again because it's like, it's just relentless. And it's just this onslaught of new content. And in a way, that's great. Except that, like, if you have anything else in your life that you need to do, though, (laughs) you know, like, if, yes, if I can dedicate the rest of my life to just Marvel, then I think I can pull this off. Yeah. But if I have to make room for anything else, I'm going to get behind. Yeah. And and this is what they want, right? You know, this, this is what they're going for. I mean, so here's the thing. It's like, we could devote our lives to this. And, and when we die, Joe, 
it could say Chris Marchand, he was a Marvel man. It's all he had time for. And, you know, whatever our tombstones are going to say. Here lies Joe Cook. He really liked Star Wars. (laughs) He didn't do anything else. (laughs) You know, but hey, he had that. Yeah. Now, we grew up in a world, uh, you know, basically we were just young enough or old enough or whatever that we kind of missed the initial Star Wars, right? So when we were five, six, seven, eight is when we realized, ah, oh my, oh my, this Star Wars thing exists. And then we started to watch them. And I, and I remember having this realization, you know, let's say I was seven years old. I was like, wait, there's only three and there's, and they're not, they're not making any more. And so we had two Ewoks movies. I mean, let's, let's be fair. You know what about the, I had one Ewok movie that I found at my local library. I've mentioned the importance of li- the library rental system, but you know what? I never saw the other one. I never knew how to find that one. So I, I only saw that the Ewoks, the battle for Endor. That's all I've ever seen. Caravan of Courage, I think was the other one. Was that one good? I've never seen I, I, I haven't seen it since I was five. Oh <laughs> <Remember laughs> Yeah. I, you know what? I should go back to the Metamore Public Library and still see if they still have it on VHS. Well, they're on Disney Plus. Did you know that? <sighs> Joe. Well, look at what I'm going to do with my evening tonight. <laughs> there you go. Are they better or are they worse than the new season of uh, Obi-Wan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, for me, it was, um, I'm told that I saw Return of the Jedi in the theaters. I don't, I have no memory. You know, I would have been two years old, but my dad taped uh, all three movies. I guess on like HBO uh, in the mid eighties. Rebels fighting to restore freedom to the galaxy. New enemies (laughs) and new allies. May the force be with us. Aliens from a thousand worlds and the dark side concealing a darker secret is darth vader my father if you will not fight then you will meet your destiny a destiny to be fulfilled soon the million will be crashed and young skywalker will be one of us or refuse return for the climactic clash between good and evil return of the jedi tomorrow on hbo so i grew up with them on beta um you know watching them over and over and over again the you know the original versions the you know the pre-special edition you know untouched the sacred versions that most people haven't even seen i guess in 2022 (laughs) but they were all we had and it was this beautiful amazing universe that george lucas had created and now we're in this place where it's ever expanding but like you've kind of brought up earlier, how expanding is it really getting? Like they've crammed as much into the Skywalker saga as they possibly can. You know, they've rebooted Han Solo. Then you've got, you know, Boba Fett. Okay, well, they've brought Boba Fett back now. And then they've got the Mandalorian and Luke shows up in that. And now, and I guess he was in the book of Boba Fett too, from what I hear. And Luke and Leia you know, are in the Obi-Wan thing like really like can they get away from the skywalkers i don't know that is star wars even the right name for it mm. should it just be you know the skywalkers like a sitcom mm-hmm. yeah 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 i think there's a part of this that is okay and i want to give people permission to walk away from whatever they need to walk away from and it comes down to the arc of stories in general and how uh, it's often known as the hero's journey or the hero's myth. It's been popularized by Joseph Campbell. He was kind of like a, you know, anthropologist, uh, social historian type of person. And, and the reason I say that I, I give people permission to walk away is they are telling the same story over and over again. So if you, it's okay. Like you said, to me, like there's this great article that you kind of echoed, which is we're never going to see the last star Wars. And we're going to die and we're not going to know how the story ends. And my, my contention is, is it's okay. You know how it ends. And now, and I have OCD. I, I think about that. Do you, do you ever think about that? I, it actually, it kind of disturbs me a little bit. Yeah. And, and I have that moment, like, you know, where I go like, oh my God, like I'm investing all of this time and energy into this and I'm not going to see the end. I have no idea how this is going to play out. But the truth is, it's like an old video game in the arcade. There is no last level. You know, it's just the, <laughs> the, the con is to keep you throwing 
quarters into the machine. As long as you keep pumping quarters in, you're going to try to get to level 500 or level 600 or wherever you can, you're going to get as far as you can get. There is no end. And that's, I think there used to be an end. The end was called return of the Jedi. Yeah. (laughs) And now with what we're looking at right now, like with Star Wars, but clearly following Marvel's lead on this, the MCU has been a total game changer in, in all of this. There is no end in sight. And I fear this is going to be the case for everything we love. You talked about your concerns for Lord of the Rings. How do you feel about the new series? You know, I've read some things that they, they even had a gathering, I believe it was in London, where they gathered a bunch of Tolkien scholars and true Tolkien fans. And they sat down and had a preview that, you know, they didn't actually release the previews, you know, so it was only for the people that were there. And there was all these good reviews coming in. It was great. You know, it's like, okay, you know, they've dedicated themselves to Tolkien. They, they are sensitive to his world and to his story. I think fans are going to like this. There, you know, there were some mixed reviews, but it was mostly positive. How do I feel? I, I guess I'm getting to a place in my life where I would just rather revisit Tolkien's actual works. And I will watch the show. I will probably enjoy it, but I'm less passionate about this than I used to be. And uh, this maybe kind of relates to a Martin Scorsese article, like a really infamous Martin Scorsese quote that people have really trounced on him about, which I struggle with because I might say that Martin Scorsese, along with the Coen brothers, is my favorite filmmaker. Those two are always in competition with each other, which my favorite. So when Martin Scorsese says something, it's kind of like, you know, like, okay, everybody listen to Listen to our guru, listen to our leader, you know. This is uh, Moses coming down from the mountain with the tablets, you know. Yeah, coming down with uh, movie reels, (laughs) reel to reel, (laughs) coming down. The value of a film that's like a uh, theme park film, for example, uh, the Marvel type pictures, where where the theaters become amusement parks, that's a different experience. And it's like, it's not even, I was saying earlier, it's not cinema, it's something else. You know, whether you go for that or not, but it is something else and they shouldn't be, we shouldn't be invaded by it. And so that, that's a big issue. That's a big issue. Uh, and we need the theater owners to step up for that, to allow theaters to show films that are narrative films. A narrative film could be one long take for three hours too, you know. It doesn't have to be everybody, it doesn't have to be a conventional beginning, middle and end. And again, like a lot of people just dumped on him for his critiques. I, I encourage people, it's a New York Times article. You know, read it if you get a chance, if you uh, haven't clicked through all of your free articles for this month. Uh, he says, I see cinema when I go to a film. I am looking to have my world expanded. I'm looking to see something surprising to show me something about humanity that I haven't seen before. Now, I think he's partially wrong. In the sense that, yeah, some of these, like WandaVision, for example, it's like, oh, have they ever explored grief and loss in a superhero fantasy way, you know, in that form before? And have they done it in that really creatively retro way? It was really creative. Okay, I am all, you know, let's have that conversation. I do think that people that are just all like, no, how dare you talk about Marvel in that way? It's like, well, hey, listen to Moses. (laughs) Like, Like, you know, give him a chance. Because... I think it's worth acknowledging. I, um, by the way, I don't think we have we talked about days of our lives. Have we talked about soap operas? No, we, we, we definitely have not. I grew up almost every day in the afternoon in the summertime. My mom had days of our lives on NBC. This week on days of our lives, a secret rendezvous in New Orleans holds the key to love for Bo and Hope as they fulfill their fantasies in one of America's most romantic cities. It's a time for dreams to come true on Days of Our Lives, followed by Another World Weekdays. This serialized, you know, romantic, melodramatic story on every day. I, I got to this point where I loved it. Like, I was so invested. If you know, for those of you that maybe uh, maybe know, Bo and Hope, Marlena and John Black. I mean, there were so many. Uh, Victor Kiriakis, by the way, you know, uh, played by Jennifer Aniston's dad, by the way. I can't remember his, uh, his real name, but uh, Jennifer Aniston's dad. Anyway. I got to a point where I realized this is filth. This is crap. <laughs> Even though <laughs> for many years as a kid, I loved it. I think it's important to acknowledge for those of us that love fantasy, we, we are liking the same story over and over again. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, can we just take a moment to acknowledge that that piece of the puzzle that is Chris Marchand, I, I, I never knew that about you. You know, it's funny. I joked with uh, Peter Dyseth 
I was like, yeah, my mom would not let me watch He-Man. Hey, but when it comes to smut, when it comes to daytime smut, hey, what, what, are you going to judge me for that? You know, <laughs> my wife for, for a brief period was not allowed to watch Smurfs when she was young. Yeah, me either. Me, I wasn't allowed to watch Smurfs. I've heard from a number of people I knew of that, that grew up in like evangelical Christian families that Smurfs yeah. was a thing. I was, it was a thing. A drop of this, a sprinkling of these, a dash of that. Now I stir it all together. Something to do with witchcraft, you know, spells and all that. I really don't know because I've never seen it. <laughs> really? So to this day, you've never seen it? Well, you know what? By the time that I would be like, hey, let's watch that. It just kind of looks stupid anyway. I was on to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Batman and DuckTales. So, <laughs> you know, totally missed it. All of which is to say, I think I want to question with Martin Scorsese, the stories that we tell, why are we telling all these stories? So I would just rather revisit the original Star Wars, but I think I'm at the risk of like Scorsese sounding like a grumpy old guy that just like doesn't get why people do things. You know, like I don't like the stuff of this current generation. Okay, well, we're going to talk more about some of the upcoming reboots that have been in the news, but first let's take a quick break for another Delusions of grandeur. And now it's time for Delusions of Grandeur with Ted Cruz. So we, we've heard about the, the lighter side of Ted Cruz, Heidi, and something about Im- impressions. He does impressions really well. Well, you know, there are people who do impressions and then there are the rest of us who do not. Uh, <laughs> Ted is one of those who does impressions. Ted's really funny. Smithers, release the hounds. Excellent. Heidi ho, neighbor. Oakley Doakley, neighborino. One of the great exchanges between Homer and Lisa. But Dad, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat animals. But Lisa, animals are so delicious. There's the animal we get bacon from, the animal we get ham from, the animal we get sausage from. Dad, that's all the same animal. Oh, sure, Lisa. A magic animal that all the wonderful foods come from. Kang and Kodos. In one of the great classic episodes when they run for president. I'm running for president now. And, you know, it's really tough. Forward, not backwards. Upwards, not downwards. And always twirling, twirling for freedom. I have been told many times. I have a face for radio, and I have a face for animation. This has been Delusions of Grandeur with Ted Cruz, brought to you by the Nostalgic Future Podcast. So we want to get into some of the in-the-news kind of segments that we've, you Let's know. Let's do it. Yeah, we, some of these reboots, revivals that are coming up. Okay, so what have you got? Like, what are the, the reboots that are coming up that you're like, you're actually thinking, hey, I might actually take time to watch this. Well, much like... You, I, I sense that you feel somewhat conflicted about the um, Lord of the Rings series. That yeah. there's a, there's and all, a... by the way, is it a reboot? Is it a is it a legacy? What what is it? I don't know. It's it's telling the further story. Yeah, it, it's 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 really that's almost expanded universe. What you you know what you would call that? They're expanding the universe into like new territory. Yeah, this is very different. But there's a revival that is that has been in the works now for a couple years and it's apparently according to recent reports is still in the works and i have i i'm very conflicted over this one i think i feel to me this is my lord of the rings this is you know we're kind of um getting into like holy ground right here do we really want to mess with perfection and that is fraser fraser uh, is is apparently going to receive some kind of revival on Paramount Plus, and uh, we've talked about in, in the past on this show. Cheers is probably my favorite sitcom of all time, and I, I grew up, you know, like you were saying, you know, watching uh, Days of Our Lives, you know, when you were way too young to be watching it. I was watching Cheers, you know, seven years old, and you know, I was too. I was too, actually. My older brother introduced me to a lot of those types of things. So he loved Cheers. And so I didn't get it, but I thought I thought it was great. Yeah, all of Sam Malone's misogyny going way over my head. And everything I learned about women is from Sam Malone. So I'm good to go, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, well, and, and we can we can touch on this 
topic again when we reach one of our other reboots that's coming up, Night Court. Because yeah, in some ways, Night Court made Cheers look tame. Yeah, that's another show that was always on in my house too. Is Night Court? Well, they were on back to back though. Oh, okay. Is that why? Is that why? Yeah, yeah. I think they were both on Thursday nights on NBC, and so those were two big shows. And so Cheers was a huge show for me. Frasier, you know, that character on Cheers, and then having really what arguably like most successful spinoff of all time, probably where the spinoff was as good, if not better than the original show that the character originated on. So to me, this, this whole idea of bringing Frasier back is kind of terrifying because I love both of those shows so much. And there's rarely been a misstep with the character of Frasier. Even he, he made a one-off appearance on the show Wings and Kelsey Grammer got nominated for an Emmy for a guest appearance on Wings. He's been nominated for Emmys on three different shows playing that character. One of the great characters in television history. Oh, and I'm just worried it's going to be like that Murphy Brown reboot or, or revival or whatever. <laughs> did, did you do you remember that they did that? I remember it, never saw it. I'll tell you one revival that I did watch one episode of, which was the Mad About You revival, oh. which is on Amazon Prime. Am I fatigued looking? No. That if you look really close. Yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> what is secret for long years, marriage? So the great thing about us, never argue, never fight. Do. Don't come crying to me when I'm the whole thing turns to hell. You, you were right. Thank you. Oh! It's not the one episode. It's, it's actually more somber. It's a little more melancholy. It's not for like the full laugh factor. Uh, I think it's worth watching. I, I only watched one episode because I just have only have so much time. But I, I think you're right. Like the fear of this horrible letdown. It's, it's like, why even do it to us? Is kind of what we're questioning. Yeah, we're tempting fate here. You, you've created like television perfection. And when Cheers ended in 1993, they took a gamble by spinning off. You know, a, a Frasier spinoff, in theory, could have been terrible, canceled in one season. It could have been the Dana Carvey show. It could have been six episodes and gone. Hey, now that was a classic, though. That was a classic. That should have been on HBO, but yes, it was a classic. It was an un- underappreciated gem. But no, I mean, you know, Frasier, in theory, should almost not have worked. But it did work because it was brilliantly written and acted and everything about it was phenomenal. (sighs) Can lightning strike three times? I I mean, it can. I I suppose it it really can. But I don't know. I just I don't feel good about this one. And what's interesting to question about Night Court and Frasier is and what made these shows so brilliant. Cheers as well is we all knew the formula and they were so great at the joke writing formula and how each show was structured in some ways we've entered into a new era as well and so there's only a few like uh how i met your mother type of shows um the big bang theory that are still popular modern traditional sitcoms and so it's like yeah what are they going to do with the formula here and and they're kind of the end of an era really when you look at it yeah Um, because you don't really see much of that anymore and those shows have been off the air for several years now there you go. They're, I guess they're going to reboot uh, that 90s show. You know, they're going to do that. Instead of that 70s show, they're going to do that. They are, yeah. It's uh, Netflix. I do want to acknowledge for our listeners that we are continually saying in the news items by just mentioning show after show after show of like, of, it's just one thing after another. Everything is in constant redevelopment. And this is a very loose format here, so... stick with us so any more you want to say about Frasier just that you know all in all I probably just wish they weren't doing it (laughs) but I will definitely be watching it yeah and I'm either going to be love it or I'm going to be heartbroken by it and yeah you know the one thing I guess I'm hoping for is maybe we get some you know I'd love to see Sam Malone come back one more time you know they ever convince Ted Danson or John Ratzenberger, George Went, any of those, you know, the Cheers gang to to do a reunion. See, look at what you've done. You've just 
you've just tugged on my heartstrings and now it's like, you know, sign on the dotted line, make, make this happen. I, you know, we, you know, where's Rhea Perlman on all of this, you know? It, exactly. Cause it, and they're at coach's grave and they all meet there and it's just, Oh yeah. Because nobody with the one thing nobody's really talking about, everybody's talking about, well, we get, will the Fraser cast be back, but this is the return potentially of the cheers universe and will the cheers universe spawn a reboot where the bar is back but there's a new owner and will cheers be on a hundred years from now and i'll never know how cheers ended because that's how things are going so let me say this i've actually just began watching an, another reboot of my own and i'm actually going to bounce off of what you just said here's the reboot that i'm i'm doing right now i'm re-watching breaking bad <laughs> And my point is, it's a joke. It's, it's not a reboot. It's just Breaking Bad. And I think I want to argue that sometimes it's okay to just revisit the things we love and to let the thing stand on its own. And I don't know. I don't know what I hope about Better Call Saul. I kind of hope they just leave the universe as it is. And I don't need ever increasing expansions of it. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are the reason I'm behind on Star Wars and Marvel and everything else right yeah. now. Because I watched yeah. both of those shows like twice through back to back in the last year. And they've taken up all of my television time because they're so perfect. And now they, you know, they're like the cool kids and they've, you know, like they've brushed everybody off to like the side. So now Star Wars is no longer cool to me because because it isn't Better Call Saul. There you go. It's not gritty enough. Um, okay, what other what other revivals, reboots you've got? We, we mentioned Night Court. I have to admit, I'm like, okay, that's great. I'm, I'm about at a 1.5 excited for Night Court. Well, N Night Court, the revival, is kind of what I was just saying could happen with a Cheers revival. You could make a new Cheers where it's just the same bar but all different people. That's almost what this Night Court show is. Most of the original cast has, has passed away. John Larroquette's coming back, right? John Larroquette is the only original cast member coming back. The main character is going to be Judge Harry Stone's daughter. So there's a connection there, but it's really a totally new show with one, I guess, would you call it a legacy character in John Larroquette? To me, the most interesting part and the reason I will tune in is to see how they handle the Dan Fielding character in 2022, because maybe the single most misogynistic character in television history. Is that John Larroquette's character? That's John Larroquette's character. And there is nothing about that character as it was created in the 80s that works in 2022. Let's cue up a misogynist joke right now so we can offend and alienate our wonderful audience. How to save a choking victim. Step one, give the victim a swift blow to the back to clear air passage. Step two, clear the mouth of any foreign object. Step three, loosen constrictive clothing. <laughs> Better to be safe than sorry. Dan, you saved my life. Miss Sullivan, he felt you up. <laughs> Dan, I owe you everything. How can I possibly repay you? <laughs> Sleep with me. <laughs> Should have taken death while she had the chance. Here's my thing. I don't think the format of Night Court is all that interesting anymore. But just like the hero's journey, if we're compelled, you know what? I love this hero. And so when it comes to Night Court, if they can make us laugh, then that's they're doing their jobs, right? But isn't Night Court just cheers in a court? I mean, it's really the same. I mean, they were just following a formula right there. It was exactly, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's a it's an ensemble cast. And the court is as much of a character as anybody else on the show, just like the bar was in Cheers. Just like the office is in the office. Absolutely. Are you wearing your Dunder Mifflin hat right now? You are, aren't you? I actually am wearing a Dunder Mifflin hat. So yeah, here you go. Let the court show, let the record show. Uh, uh, Joe is wearing his Dunder Mifflin hat. Just mixing all the things together. Okay, uh, there's another reboot that we do need to talk about, which will actually play into our podcast eventually, which is... Quantum Leap.
Quantum Leap is set up for this kind of reboot, revival type of format because last that I know, when we when we last saw Samuel Beckett, Sam Beckett, he was uh, still leaping. He was still jumping from person to person. He never got out of it. So he didn't get home. So, yeah. which is, you know, uh, I'm sure a letdown for him since that was the whole premise of the show, Sam trying <laughs> to get home. Uh, yeah. But to me, this is an interesting one because it's it's not really a reboot. It's not really a revival. It's, I guess it is a reboot, but it is a continuation. It, it does take place in the same universe, um, though Dr. Sam Beckett is not going to be the leaper in this series. To me, like if you were going to have a revival that continued Sam Beckett leaping, I kind of get that. This one here, I'll be interested because Project Quantum Leap was pretty much a failure. Everything went completely wrong. And he was stuck leaping. I can't figure out why they would try this again. You know, 30 years has gone by and they've decided to give it another shot. We get a new leaper. Raymond Lee will be the star in the uh, Dean Stockwell role. His, uh, you know, his guide on his journey is going to be played by uh, Ernie Hudson. Ghostbusters star Ernie Hudson is going to be with him. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but this is actually pretty cool. I I like what they've done here. Ernie Hudson's character is actually going to be an older version of a character that Sam Beckett leaped into in the original series. Yeah, I did read that. So again, they've kind of linked it back into the original premise or the the original narrative arc. And they've talked with uh, Scott Bakula. And I mean, we don't know that he's returning, but it's kind of like he's excited about it. So it seems like my guess is there's some way, even if he's just like a guest star for a few episodes a season or something like that. There's no way he doesn't return. There's yeah. just no way. Now, you say a few episodes a season. It has to last beyond a season. And that's what, you know, the hope has got to be going. Because to me, this is the reboot or the revival that I have always wanted, mm. um, you know, for the last few decades, I, you know, I've felt that they needed to bring back and they've tried on multiple occasions. I remember sci-fi channel announcing it like 20 years ago that there was going to be one. It fell through, never happened. They were going to do uh, a feature film about 10 years ago. That never happened. Even like a couple of years ago, they announced that they were considering bringing quantum leap back on Peacock. That didn't happen, but now it's happening. It's going to be on the NBC fall schedule this year so i'm excited about this one i don't think i'm as nervous about it as i am with frazier because maybe i've wanted this one more and i don't think anybody was asking for a frazier reboot i think that's what's so scary about it you know i think with sci-fi stuff we just sort of expect reboots and revivals and these franchises to never end so quantum leap being around makes sense to me more than say a frazier or night court and again, the formula is there, which is, it's kind of like a variation of Groundhog's Day in the sense of you're in someone's life, you have to figure out how to make things right. And the part of the thrill is, will they make it right by the end of the episode? Of course they will, you know, they'll leap into the next thing, but the, the formula is there. And so if you get the right actor, you get the right writers, it's going to be great. Well, going back to our last episode on, on Better Call Saul, it, it really, it's the same formula you were talking about there. It's the MacGyver formula. Mm-hmm. There's always a problem that needs to be solved. Yes. Yeah, will it happen, right? Every yeah. episode of Quantum Leap was going to, you know, be the last episode potentially, because if he, yes. didn't, if he didn't pull it off, it was disastrous. Right. So there was there was the potential for disaster every single week. He never had an easy leap, not once, <laughs> except that first episode where he had, he only had to hit a baseball. That was yeah. uh, that was his only easy leap. And we'll talk about that more. You want to talk about our quantum leap plans, Chris? Oh yeah, you know, upcoming. We hope to get to the point where we're going to be releasing. Maybe we'll do it this fall. Maybe we'll do it. No, no guarantees. But if we could leap into fall right now. Perhaps we're going to be doing an episode-by-episode deep dive into Quantum Leap, the the original TV show. Yeah, we hope to go through every episode, and we'll see how far we get. And our plan is to do this on every single reboot. So we're going to watch every Night Court, and we're going to watch every Frasier, and and, uh, uh, Law and Order. (laughs) 
Well, Law and Order, right? Yeah, because so, you've never seen a Law and Order. Is that correct? I've never seen a, a single Law and Order episode in my entire life, Chris. I, I found this out earlier when we were we were just doing our you know our pre conversation. Let's make some plans for this episode. And then Joe just says, "Well, you know, I've never seen a Law and Order." And I I renounced your American citizenship right on the spot. I called up the feds. They're coming soon. You, you will not. Be, you'll be kicked out of the country. You've never seen a Law and Order. I, I just it blows my mind. I guess, yeah, we, we're not going to be watching the new Star Wars because all we're going to do is watch, I guess, just NBC reboots, too. That's all we <laughs> Just <have>. only NBC. <laughs> okay, uh, Joe? They, but, they are, but they are rebooting Law & Order, right? That's what I've heard. Yeah, Sam Waterston's back. And, of course, there's different variations of Law & Order as well. But uh... Well, what else is happening in the news? What's coming out that maybe has you uh, excited or terrified? Um, you know, I mean, it's funny, uh, recently there was like a fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot, like almost like a melodramatic thing, uh, like not interested. Let's swipe that one aside. I, I, myself, I'm interested in the kids in the hall revival that's on Amazon prime, but maybe even more than anything. And I guess I, I say this with fear and trepidation, like you would with Frazier is a spinal tap, a, a spinal tap part two. <laughs> The little children of Stone Age Beneath the haunted moon For fear that daybreak Might come too soon And we were also talking about this Like a lot of these franchises Like Frasier I mean how many episodes of Frasier are there? You know like there's just There's just way too many But Spinal Tap? I mean, sure, there's some albums and they've had little they've had little reunion tours and little reunion skits they've done in different like, you know, charity uh, skits or whatever. But there's only one Spinal Tap, really. And so they've actually announced, you know, Michael uh, McKeon, Harry Shear and Christopher Guest, you know, they're bringing the band back together. I'm just like, uh oh, (laughs) like this to me, this is like, but, but what if it's the lamest thing ever? Um, I guess at the end of the day, it's a bunch of uh, elderly men having fun together. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess I kind of want to know if it's going to be funny before I see it. What do you think? Any thoughts on Spinal Tap? It, you know, again, if, if it's not important to you, it's it's like for me, Spinal Tap was one of my first. I'm trying to remember which one hit first. Was it was it Monty Python or Spinal Tap? But I mean, it was a big experience for me. I love Spinal Tap. But I, I think I actually loved a mighty wind even more um right. <laughs> which right. uh so i love those guys and so i will see whatever they do you know i i will i i will look forward sure. to it i will watch it and very possibly be disappointed but i hope that i won't be i hope that they strike gold with this and you know maybe maybe this is going to be the spinal tap reunion tour you know kind of like a stones you know reunion tour where they're all you know kind of like up on stage with walkers and it's going to be just magical oh you have so much hope you're full of so much hope uh, I, I envy you okay joe i i my hope is turned to 11 <laughs> yeah well i'm afraid that i'm going to internally combust when i watch the movie and then i'll be no more <laughs> <laughs> I will just be gone. Uh, Joe, any other any other reboots, revivals worth mentioning? Well, Chris, have you, you know, we were talking in a couple episodes ago about our shared love of Winnie the Pooh. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the most beloved children's characters of all time. And he is getting a reboot. Coming soon to a theater near you, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Oh, that sounds intriguing. What's uh, what's Disney doing with that? Uh, oh, oh, this is not a Disney movie, Chris. So anyway, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 you've probably heard that the uh, the copyright on Winnie the Pooh, the original stories, has run out. 
And now anybody, you, if you want, we, you know, we could just start a Winnie the Pooh podcast. It can be an audio drama. Like you can play the part of Pooh. I'll be Eeyore. It'll be great. He's in the public domain. He belongs to everybody. The copyrights run out. Winnie the Pooh is as much everyone's as Cinderella. It belongs everywhere now. Yeah, there's no restrictions. So thanks to a director named Reese Waterfield, we're going to get the first public domain casualty of Winnie the Pooh, a slasher film entitled Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Do you know anything about what this movie's about? You know, I've seen an image of like a truly horrific piglet and poo sneaking up on some woman in a hot tub or something like that. Yes. uh, Yeah. Okay. Uh, So what happens in that scene? Because the director has, you know, actually gave a spoiler uh, for the movie. It's not even out yet. Surprise. Apparently... Pooh and Piglet drag her and they knock her out, drag her out of the hot tub and run over her head with a car. Do you know why they're doing this though? There's a reason why they're doing this. Are they trying to get her honey? No, no. No. You see, this is, it's like Toy Story 3. Okay. Like Andy, when he went off to college, he left the toys behind. This is what's happened here. Christopher Robin has grown up and he's left Pooh and Piglet to themselves. And... He's not there to feed them anymore. And because they're hungry and they're alone and they're sad, they have reverted back to their animalistic instincts. And they now need blood to survive because they're animals, Chris. They're, they're vicious, ferocious, feral animals, Pooh and Piglet. And they are now looking for prey so that they can just feed themselves. That's, that's all. So they run over her head because they needed dinner. That's all. Just, just you know, it's just Pooh and Piglet, you know? It's just like, no bother. So this person, uh, Reese, you said his name was, he's free to do this. He's expanding the universe of Winnie the Pooh. And he's doing something that no one wants or has asked for. And there you go. Good for him. And this, this really begs the question because we talked about this on our last episode a little bit about these adult movies that are marketed for children like how that happened a lot in the 80s with you know terminator and and robocop and all of that this is like the opposite of that here what we've got going on is we have a beloved children's story being marketed to adults in like the worst way possible like yeah how do you feel about this like when they take you know something that is as beautiful and innocent as Winnie the Pooh, and they turn him into a vicious killer. Chris, how do I feel? I, um, what's the point? I, I would happen to say. I guess it fits Martin Scorsese's uh, ramifications here. It's meant to shock and surprise us, <laughs> um, but it's not. It's not in any way desired. I have no need for this new story. It's like uh, Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park when he, you know, he said, you know, they spent so much time thinking about, you know, how they could do this. They never stopped to ask should they do this yeah um i watched i remember when my son was like four years old or something i was watching Pooh's heffalump movie with yeah. him it's scary and i i cried at the end of that movie it, 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 like you know it just oh and it was it was you know i, I love winnie the pooh and this kind of hurts at the same time i mean i acknowledge it's kind of funny but mm. You know, but it's funny in a, like, I guess, like, if I look at these screenshots, they're so ridiculous. There is the one of them sneaking up on her. There's also one of Winnie the Pooh behind the wheel. I guess it's before he runs her over. And it's just like this terrifying, horrible image of uh, of Pooh. I I don't know. It, it didn't, you know, it reminds me, you know what it reminds me of? Do you remember Ren and Stimpy's adult party cartoon? Do you remember this, Chris? I don't think so. It's generally considered to be one of the worst shows of all time. It was when they rebooted Ren and Stimpy on Spike TV. Come to Spike TV, the first network for men. A blast from the past. Get out! We're back! It's not the same old crap. Smells like home. It's new crap. You idiot! Ren and Stimpy's all-new adult party cartoon premieres Thursday at 10 p.m. on Spike TV. And they made it this super 
hyper-sexualized, vulgar adult version of Ren and Stimpy, which Ren and Stimpy was a crude cartoon, but it was a kid's cartoon. And um, I remember uh, legendary voice actor Billy West uh, was the voice of Stimpy. He, I think, eventually went on to be the voice of both Ren and Stimpy in the show. He wouldn't have anything to do with it. He refused to come back. Uh, he hated the, what they were doing with this, kind of what this reminds me of, where you're just kind of taking something that was fun and harmless and you're just turning it into something really really unnecessary is all i mean you know i I don't i'm not a slasher movie guy but i don't really have a problem with them existing having winnie the pooh becoming a slasher i don't know that doesn't sit with me real well (laughs) you know we're all just wondering when is mr rogers going to show up and he's the dark overlord conducting the whole operation you know he's the true murderous villain right uh well it'll be whenever mr rogers goes into the public domain there you go there you go all right well this has been a great discussion we've been kicking around these ideas whether or not we like or how much we're immersed in the sequel world the revival world but you know what we're gonna end today's episode but before we do we're gonna go to our listener mailbag What have we got in the mailbag today? All right, Chris. In our second Batman episode, uh, this is uh, one of the episodes we released last month. Uh, the, this was the uh, Robert Pattinson episode. You, Chris, you asked a question, and I did not have an answer. You wondered if the death of Bruce Wayne's parents had ever been addressed on the 60s Batman series, the Adam West show. Did they ever talk about Bruce Wayne's parents being murdered on the campy, fun, light, happy 60s Batman show. Well, one of our listeners had the answer. Listener Jay Yaws tweeted at us and said, I think the first episode of the 60s Batman had an offhand comment about Bruce Wayne's parents being murdered, but that's it. He elaborated, is as offhand as it can get, if I recall. They drop the line and then move on without anyone reacting to it. Well, of course, Chris, I had to see for myself if this was true. And sure enough, Jay was right. I'll call him, sir. We're in luck. He's at home. My resources are behind you and full. You're a real champion, Mr. Wayne. Indeed you are. Don't mention it, Mr. Harris. Perhaps if there'd been anti-crime centers of the type you now propose when my own parents were murdered by dastardly criminals. <clears throat> yes, Alfred? The bat phone, sir. Forgive me. I'm just reminded I'd promised to take my young ward, Dick Grayson, fishing, if you'll excuse me. In fact, that was Adam West's very first scene in the entire series. So thank you, Jay, because uh, you clearly paid much better attention than either of us did. Hey, thanks, Jay Oz. Uh, assuming that's your, your real name. I, I know I've actually interacted with you on Twitter before. So thank you for going back. You know, here's the thing. I did watch the first episode, but, you know, when, when you're juggling a four-year-old and other kids and I didn't pick up on all the details. So thanks for finding that for us. We appreciate it. So, Joe, if, if listeners want to contribute to this episode, if they want to tell us about upcoming reboots, uh, revivals, sequels that they want to talk about, or any, any of our other episodes, they want to go back and, and have some feedback or some questions for us, how can they find us, Joe? All right. If you want to be featured in our listener mailbag, you can hit us up on Twitter. It's at Past Future Pod. We're Nostalgic Future Podcast on Facebook and Nostalgic Future Podcast on Instagram. Yeah, we, we are on Instagram. We never really talk about that, but we're there. Yeah. If you don't want to send us a, an actual email, just find us on Twitter. We're, we're posting about our episodes all the time. You can always interact with us there. But if you do want to send us an email, it's nostalgicfuturepodcast at gmail.com. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. 
On our next episode, we're going to continue our discussion by having a deep dive into a few of the reboots, revivals, sequels, even legacy sequels that Joe and I have been enjoying recently. Thanks. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Nostalgic Future Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at nostalgicfuturepodcast at gmail.com. We may just read your letter on an upcoming show. Follow us on social media, Nostalgic Future Podcast on Facebook, and at Past Future Pod on Twitter. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review to help support what we do. Until next time, remember, the past is the only way forward. Wait a minute. Breaking Bad is going to be rebooted? Oh, thank God. Oh, yes. It'll be just like Roseanne. Without the racism. Uh, no, no, we're, uh, we're, we're not. We're not re- rebooting the show, Brian. We've, oh, I've moved on. You. Yeah, I've moved on. Moved on. Yeah, no, you, uh, you, there is a hot plate mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Is that your hot plate? You know, it's an induction cooker, by the way. Yeah, science, bitch! Remember that? You remember? You remember? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I remember yeah, that. Oh, God, right. you were so good as Jesse. Mm-hmm. You know, we really ought to think about bringing the show back. Just saying. Uh-huh.